Mr. Stephen Allen's SomeNews.co.uk, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Some News podcast review of 2013. Or the Some News podcast review of 2013. Probably that one. Uh, it's the year that the Mayans thought would never happen and the Savile family wish never had. Lots happened in the news in 2013. Looking at the front pages of the Daily Express, the big news was about the McCanns and the death of Princess Diana. Finger on the pulse there. Now, we lost our AAA rating this year, which I think now means we lay smaller eggs. David Cameron sold pig semen to the Chinese, raising two questions. One, what are they going to do with all the pig semen? And two, if you go on holiday to China, would you be brave enough to order the vanilla milkshake? We gained a new prince who will one day be king after we're all dead. And in terms of deaths, this year we lost Margaret Thatcher, Hugo Chavez and Nelson Mandela, which must make for some awkward moments in conversation while queuing for the pearly gates. You see, that, that seems like a place where I do a little cutaway sketch of those three having a chat in line, but I can't do a Thatcher impression, and I don't do my Nelson Mandela impression, even though it is, it's a good one. Besides, there's lots to get through in this podcast, so I present a look back at 2013 through the eyes of the Some News podcast. Let's crack on. Mr. Stephen Allen's Some News podcast. Yes, 2013 will be remembered as the year when we found out someone had been slipping their meat into our mouths without permission. So now we all know what it's like to have had a private education. Ladies and gentlemen, horse meat. Here's how we covered it. DNA tests performed on burgers that were sold in Tesco, Little, Aldi and Iceland were found to contain up to 29% horse. This raises the obvious question, why were they testing burgers for DNA? <laughs> Welcome back. So those all-important DNA results. The DNA tests prove you are the burger's father. <laughs> but these were like bottom-end value burgers. They're made from eyes, balls, and giblets of cattle. And people still eat them. But if some of those eyes, balls, and giblets come from a horse... Oh, that's disgusting. I think the bigger issue that was totally missed was that these beef burgers were also found to have high levels of pork in them. Now, you may have religious reasons that you can't eat pork. It's like you could have religious reasons not to eat beef. There are no religious reasons that you can't eat a bit of horse. And that's because Sarah Jessica Parker hasn't done enough miracles yet. But horse isn't going to do anyone any harm. And I know it's not popular to say you don't mind the horse thing, that you actually quite like it. The last guy in the UK who said he wanted a horse got buried under a car park in Leicester, so I'm keeping it under my hat. In fact, the biggest damage from this has been... The wider repercussions. Since the news broke, we've all been at a party or somewhere and got talking to a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, this is exactly why I don't eat meat. I'm a vegan. Have I mentioned that? Oh, no, not for the last ten minutes. No, I'm a very strict vegan. I don't even let my wife swallow. Oh, there's no need for that. Exactly. I want all meat eaters to think that meat is murder. Well, you've already made me think about murder tonight. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. 2013 saw an infallible leader that many loved step down from his job. There were tears, non-stop news coverage and worries over the future. But enough about Sir Alex Ferguson. The Pope quit too. Pope Benedict has vowed obedience to his successor on his final day in office. Yes, the Pope has resigned. I didn't even know it was a job you could resign from. I thought with that job, you had to stay there till you died, like Eastbourne. A few weeks back, one Monday morning, out of nowhere, we got the news that the Pope wanted to resign. He said he didn't have the strength to go on doing the job. Dude, it was a Monday morning. We all felt like that. 
And what did he mean by didn't have the strength? Did you see what the job entailed when Pope John Paul II was doing it? It was mainly slumping in a chair and barely mumbling in Latin. If you can't manage that, get some Barocca down your neck. Benedict XVI became Pope on April 19th, 2005. I remember it well, because that meant that Pope John Paul died at the start of April. And I was so sure he was going to jump out of that coffin and shout, April Fool! <laughs> but he didn't. Uh, his last day passed without event, and if it was anything like my last day in jobs, he must have left the Vatican with loads of Nick stationery up those robes. Uh, thousands turned up to see him leave in a helicopter. That's the thing, he's got a helicopter, he has a mobile named after him. He's up there with Batman. The question is, what will the Pope get up to in his retirement? One foot in a grave. Now that I have retired, I have to look after these puppies. Four, two, nine, one. Oh, I was talking into a puppy. I don't believe it. And I believe that when I eat a little wafer, I'm actually eating the body of someone who died two millennia ago. So I'll believe anything. We were watching the Vatican, trying to see if the smoke that came out was black or white, which, according to MP David Lammy, made us all racist. Yes, the BBC tweeted, Will the smoke be black or white? And David Lammy tweeted back saying, That tweet from the BBC is crass and unnecessary. Do we really need silly innuendo about the race of the next Pope? So it turns out David didn't know the thing about black smoke, no Pope, white smoke, new Pope, that system that they use. But hang on, that means he thought they picked the colour of the smoke to match the colour of the Pope? And that's why this never happened. So it's decided. The new Pope will be a Michael Jackson. Light the fire and send up the... Oh, uh, what do you think? Uh, send up the... Should we send up the off-the-wall smoke or send up the, the bad album smoke? I don't know. I know that's silly. Michael Jackson would have never been Pope. Not with all the allegations he had about the... Actually, anyway, moving on. So we'd been waiting for the smoke to rise from the Vatican. And on the second day... A new pope had been chosen by the Vatican Conclave, a 76-year-old former Archbishop of Buenos Aires. 76 years old. It's hardly worth the Conclave going home. He's now going by the name of Pope Francis I. That first bit is a bit presumptuous, isn't it? I mean, until you've made the sequel, you don't need to worry about the numbering. They didn't call the original Police Academy 1, which is a shame, because it would have given us a heads-up about what we were in for. An interesting side note to all this is that the new Pope is Argentinian, and he had previously made a comment about the fact that he thinks Britain should give the Falklands back to Argentina. That's a very topical issue, because just this week, the people on the island had a vote as to whether they wanted to stay British or not. The result was 99.8% in favour of staying British. But it's not 100%. That means some on the island don't want to be British anymore. And I think I know who it is. I went over there to do some Vox Pops at the polling booth. Oh, can I ask, uh, which way are you voting today? I'm voting to retain our British status. And, and you? I'm voting to stay British, yeah. And which way are you voting? Uh, well, it's a secret ballot, by the way. But as I say, 2013, Sir Alex Ferguson left because the other reindeer wouldn't let him join in any of their reindeer games. Is that... No, hang on. A Google image searched his face. I think I got the wrong results. Anyway, here's how we handled that tricky subject. Oh, now, there's something I've learned from doing these Brighton Festival gigs. You can joke about terrorism, you can joke about Jimmy Savile, you can joke about anything. You say something about football, and a room full of grown men will get very upset. I did a bit about Sir Alex Ferguson retiring. I was just saying that, okay, maybe it was front page news for one day, but front page for five days? I mean, basically, all the story is, is a man who's old enough to retire 
retires. It's what old men do. They retire or they die. He got the lucky option. Why is it such a big story? You don't get the same level of coverage when other people retire. And finally, a man from London retired today. With more on that story, our reporter. 40 years of taxi driving came to an end today as Barry Phillips finally hung up his keys. We spoke to one of his final passengers. What a taxi driver bloke. You you seemed alright. A legacy that's sure to carry on for years. With more pointless news, it's back to the studio. Sir Alex Ferguson was 71, a pensioner, so he deserved to go out on top. I mean, some people weren't happy by this. Some people were upset, including Wayne Rooney, who applied for a transfer from Man United now. No surprise there. If there's one thing we know about Wayne Rooney, he prefers to be under a pensioner. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. In 2012, South Korea gave us Gangnam Style. In 2013, North Korea threatened to start World War III. I know which one I was more upset about. Yes, this year, Kim Jong-un had his own uncle executed. His uncle. If you're listening to this after Christmas with a lot of family around you, you probably like the sound of that. Apparently, Kimmy had his uncle killed because he didn't clap hard enough during the ceremony where he became leader. Dude, you can have people killed for not clapping enough. Anyone who attends my stand-up shows would never be seen of again. Let me take you back to some of North Korea's 2013 highlights. I thought we were safe. I thought we'd made it through the worst. I thought if North Korea was going to start World War Three, they'd do it over Easter. That way, the West would be on holiday, caught with our pants down and our mouths full of chocolate. And that makes it sound like I had a really interesting Easter. If North Korea was going to attack, I thought they'd do it on the 1st of April. So when they said, we're going to attack you with our missiles that can reach your country, we'd say, you're right, you got missiles that can reach. Of course you have. April Fool, yeah? I'm not falling for that one. Let's start at the beginning with North Korea, or, to give it its proper name, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, which is an odd name. So you want to call us the Democratic People's Republic of Korea? Yep. But we're not really a republic. I know. And we're not really democratic. Yep, I know. And we're not run by the people. I know that too. Then how can we have the name Democratic People's Republic of Korea? We're not Kupranol. We don't have to do what it says on the tin. Wasn't brave enough to do the accents. Uh, This time last year, North Korea started testing missiles. The first one splashed down prematurely, but heck, we all had that on our first time. But then eventually they got one to work. This meant the UN brought in extra sanctions to tell them off for playing with missiles. In January 2013, North Korea announced its intention to target the United States in its missile and nuclear programs. Since then, we have have seen details of trajectories that they'd used to target major parts of the US. Those trajectories seemed an awful lot like straight lines on a map. Oh my god, they've developed ruler technology. General, we, we have the latest intel. The North Koreans have trajectories for several American cities. But this just looks like they've copied the flight plans for the BA flights out of Heathrow. Yes, sir. And that's their second go. Uh, the first one was this. What's this? Uh, That's the flight plan from Ryanair. So they had to fly the warheads into a nearby town and then put it on a connecting coach to blow us up. Then in March, the North Korean government declared it was in a state of war with its neighbor, South Korea. War with a neighbor. What were they parking in your space? Did they forget to return a lawnmower that they borrowed? No, I've got it. Did they plant massive Leylandi trees near the border? No, I shouldn't, Mark. If I had a neighbour that played music like this, I'd probably declare war. 
Many commentators say it's unlikely he'll actually have the missile technology to attack the US. I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if that shipment of two-litre bottles of cola and large packs of Mintos that North Korea had delivered were actually just for research after all. If North Korea starts a war with America, it is highly unlikely that they would win. But... Just in case they win, I want to go on record as saying that I think Kim Jong-un is brill. He is our supreme leader, a title which means he's like an ordinary leader, but he's topped with extra pepperoni. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. This was the year that we found out our governments had been spying on us. Not a massive problem in the UK. The government did a listening consultation about the NHS and ignored everything that was said, so they're not really paying attention. But I felt sorry for the governments. I don't even like having to listen to people's phone calls when they've called me. If you work for the government, you might recognise me from my phone calls. I'm the guy who tells the PPI people to f***ing shove a lit firework up their f***ing ass and blow their f***ing into their own and f*** their own I'm a delight. Thanks to Edward Snowden, we now know what's been happening. Edward said he did what he did because... I don't want to live in a society that does these sorts of things. So you went to China and then Russia... Yeah, China doesn't snoop on its people's internet activity, doesn't need to. They're only allowed access to three websites. So governments have been spying on what we do online. I should say, in my defence, I was Googling for videos of cats falling in the bath that had been shaved and covered in whipped cream. The latest part of the story was that Microsoft handed the NSA access to messages. It means they could read all of the emails in Hotmail. Sir, we've hacked the mailbox of Abu al-Amirzer. Good. And what does it say? Looks like he's made contact with a Nigerian prince. He's getting funds to spend on a bigger penis, apparently. Obama made a defense and said, Nobody is listening to your telephone calls. True that. Not even when I call home, because this normally happens. Hi, it's just me, just calling home. I hope we've got grandkids round. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I've been for an audition for a... Hang on, hang on. Someone wants a word with you. But there's only the baby there. Oh. Who'd want to have a word? Oh. oh. Hello. Um, did you, did you have a nice day? Yeah. You've got no clue what I'm saying to you, do you? And I'm paying for this phone call, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got nothing to say to you because you're a baby. Yes, you are. Yeah. You're not exactly pulling your own weight in this conversation either, are you? No, you're not. No. And you don't even understand me when I say put Grandad back on, do you? Yeah, it's going to be a while. So, government agencies are spying on everyone across the world. But... The NSA said they are only spying on foreigners, that they will only monitor communication if they thought there was a 51% chance that the individual was foreign. Have you ever met an American on holiday? Even they seem to think they're more than 51% foreign. Hey, it's great to be here in Edinburgh. I'm actually Scottish. Yeah, my great-great-great-grandfather uh, once ate a haggis in Scotchland, so it's like I'm just like you. Uh, the NSA were caught tapping the phones of loads of world leaders, including Germany's Angela Merkel. What I've loved about this story is the indignation. Oh, it's wrong. Hacking the phones of their allies. Tut, America. How low. At least it was their spies doing it. Over here, it's our journalists hacking phones. I don't mind spies spying on world leaders. That's what they do, isn't it? I don't want to be too indelicate, but if you're in charge of Germany, 
you know, given the past, yeah, you know, just saying, there have been two world wars. Mm. So Angela Merkel was upset, and the White House had to make a statement. We haven't heard a White House statement about some woman getting tapped since the Clinton days. Uh, I bet he was upset they didn't have this technology back then. We can what? We can listen in to women's phone calls. I'm gonna need a trace. Certainly, sir. Who do you need looking up? Just any woman called Trace. I fancy a bit of rough. Jay Carney was the White House spokesman who said, I can tell you that today President Obama and Chancellor Merkel spoke by telephone. Angela called Obama. Do you think she even bothered dialing? Uh, hello? I know you are listening. I can hear the heavy breathing. Is this Obama? Uh, no, it's Bill Clinton. And you couldn't have heard me heavy breathing. I did not inhale. The somenews.co.uk podcast. It's been a good year for drugs. And by that, I mean a lot of celebrities have been doing drugs. I don't mean that 2013 will be a good vintage like with wine. Oh, oh yes, I'm getting vanilla, oh, uh, oak, and, and baby laxatives. Lady Gaga said that she'd smoked weed, probably before going clothes shopping. Nigella Lawson did coke, but I bet whatever she cuts it with was delicious. Uh, no wonder she keeps nipping to the fridge in a TV show. She keeps getting the munchies. The man who ran the co-op bank, Paul Flowers, did some drugs too. Probably fair trade. But best of all, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford was caught doing crack. All of these people did drugs, yet maintained a highly successful career. So I think the take-home message to all the homeless drug addicts is, you know, pull your finger out. I think that's the message, yeah? Anyway, thanks to Rob Ford, he really helped us fill a podcast. Rob Ford was caught doing crack. He was doing Class A. Although, because he's Canadian, it's Class E. So, police got hold of a video of him doing crack. Rob had to give a press conference where he said... You asked me a question back in May. And you can repeat that question. Hmm, a question from back in May of 2013. What could it be? Um, are you upset that Sir Alex Ferguson has stepped down? He lives halfway around the globe. He's probably a Man U fan. What was the question? Do you smoke crack cocaine? Exactly. Oh, I was so close. Yes, I have smoked crack cocaine. When, But sir? no, do I? Am I an addict? No. When have you Have I tried it? Um, probably in one of my drunken stupors. I love that logic. Have I smoked crack? Yes. Do I have a problem with substance abuse? Of course not, I was shit-faced. We've all got friends like that, though. They say they've quit smoking. No, no, I'm not a smoker. No, I only smoke when I drink. Oh, yeah? How often do you have a drink? Well, about 60 times a day. He went on to say... I made mistakes in the past, and all I can do is apologise, but it is what it is, and I can't change the past. You don't think you can change the past? You're doing the wrong drugs, pal. Drop some acid, you'll soon change your mind. So, there was a video of you doing crack. That's bad news. I mean, okay, you'll get your 250 quid from You've Been Framed, but your career is over, right? Wrong. He refused to resign. <laughs> what is he on? Or crack, obviously, that's the whole point of the story. But then another video surfaced of him wasted, threatening to kill someone. I am originally from the North, so I am au fait with the concept of being violently drunk. I also have lived in the South for quite a while, which is why I use the term au fait. But some of the things that he said during this angry rant, it just didn't make any sense. I'll rip his f***ing throat out, I'll pull his eyes out, I will f*** when he's dead. He said, I will f*** when he's dead. Is he getting those Bon Jovi lyrics very wrong? My, my brothers are, don't tell me we're liars, these birds. My brothers are, don't tell me we're liars, thieves and birds. Yeah, because if there are three things that no one likes being called, it's a liar, a thief or a bird. 
Someone calling you a bird. Ooh, that's out of order. That Nelly Furtado song, pure self-hatred. So, there we have it. Rob Ford, the mayor of Toronto, in a drugs, drink and violence scandal. At least there wasn't a sexual element, hmm? Oh, no, hang on. Next press conference. Oh, and the last thing was um, Olivia Gondak. It, it says that I wanted to eat her pussy, Olivia Gondak. I've never said that in my life to her. I would never do that. I'm happily married. I've got more than enough to eat at home. Thank was you very much. anything that was true? What? Was he trying to be witty and do like a version of the Paul Newman thing? On being faithful to his wife, Newman famously remarked, I have steak at home, why go out for hamburgers? You see, you're meant to say, why go out for hamburgers when you have steak at home? Not, I've got more than enough to eat at home. That makes it sound like your wife has a really big one. Although I'll tell you why he didn't say exactly what Paul Newman said. Because Rob Ford, no two ways around it, is quite obese. So if Rob Ford said... Why go out for hamburgers, you'd think. Come on, mate, you'd find room. The somenews.co.uk podcast. The party conferences were fun this year. Yeah, that's when politicians tend to head to seaside resorts, which is a change for the seaside resorts. Normally, the turds wash up on the beach. Uh, Let me take you back to that time of fun. UKIP said that we're all sluts if you don't clean behind the fridge or something like that. I've just checked the state of behind my fridge. Clearly, I totes love cock. And the Tories were the last ones to go. Cameron plans to crack down on the jobless. Be careful, David Cameron. You shouldn't stigmatise those who can't find work. And if you get everyone off benefits, who's going to go on the Jeremy Kyle show? I don't want to watch episodes about people in work. Today, we get the lie detector results. Jane wants to know if John cheated on her, even though he's been forced to work lots of overtime and couldn't really fit it in. And John wants to know if Jane is having an affair, even though all of her time's taken up working to barely cover the cost of childminding. And the results are... They were both telling the truth. But Jane and John couldn't be here to get these results as they couldn't get time off work. The Jeremy Kyle Show, sponsored by No One's Got Time to Sit Around Playing Online Bingo All Day. Another of David Cameron's plans is to cut benefits for the under-25s. I immediately thought this was an unfair, small-minded policy. And then I remembered I'm in my 30s and thought, oh, you know, it could be worse. But to find out more, I'm joined by a spokesman from the right-wing think tank, the Forum Union of Conservative Keynesian Economics Moderators, or to use the acronym, F***em. Hello. I'd just like to start by saying it's an absolute pleasure to be on this podcast. Oh, so you listen to it often? Good God, no. So, cutting benefits for the under-25s, a good policy? Absolutely. This government should stop supporting the lifestyle that this country could do without. What, people living on benefits? No, no, people being under 25. What? By cutting the benefits of people under the age of 25, they will be disincentivizing people being that young. And what's wrong with the under-25s? No, the under-25s account for some of the worst people in the world, Steve. Well, like who? Miley Cyrus. Mm, Fair play. Um, Hitler was under 25 once. And for that matter, every member of the Hitler Youth. But that was a lot of people, so I think I've won this one. There must be some people who were under 25 that you like. Jesus was young once. He had the good sense to lump his growing up into the lost years and came back older. Oh, yeah. So how will this policy help? By cutting the benefits of the under 25, it'll give them a wake-up call they need. They should pull themselves up by their bootstraps 
Hurry up and turn 46. Why do you want everyone to be older? For the same reason Ed Miliband wants to drop the voting age to 16. Do you have any idea of the demographics of the average Tory voter? Um, old? Old? We're trying to bring in a law that lets mediums vote for the dead by proxy. The somenews.co.uk podcast. Actually, the biggest news story of the year was probably about fuel prices. I am truly shocked that we managed to do jokes about it in two podcasts, because to me, the idea of such an essential as fuel going up while standards of living are going down is nowhere near funny. But we tried. If heating costs keep going up like this, in the future, everything will be the wrong way around. It'll be grandparents telling the kids how easy things used to be. Grandad, what were things like when you were growing up? In my day, we had central heating. You could make it warm in your house just by pressing a button. So you didn't have to sleep with dogs? I didn't have to, but I made a career out of it. Peter Andre there. SSE put their bills up by 8%, and back then they said the wholesale cost had gone up by 8%. So, you know, what else could they do? You could not put your price up by 8%. If the wholesale cost goes up by 8% and you put your price up by 8%, you've also increased your profit by 8%. That's just maths. That's the kind of maths they teach in school. So, class, uh, if a pensioner, A, has a pension increase by 2.5% and the fuel bill goes up by 8%, how proper f***ed is he? To three decimal places. So, SSE said the wholesale prices had gone up by 8%, but data from the energy regulator Ofgem show the prices have gone up by 1.7% over the past year. They can't tell an 8 from a 1.7. And these are the people who come round to read my meter. Hello, sir. I'm here to read your meter. A meter? It's barely 6 inch. So, if the cost of the power is going up by 1.7%, which is less than inflation, why is it costing us so much more? It's because we're gullible bellends who've let things be private. I mean, it's because of green taxes. Green taxes are extra levies put on the bill by the government to do things like help fund research into renewables. Renewables are things like tidal power, wind power... Uh, Solar power as well. For those listeners for whom English is a second language, solar power is when you get electricity from the sun. And for those people listening in the UK, the sun is a large round thing that emits a strange orange glow. It's, It's kind of hard to explain. It's like Dale Winton when he was fat. So what are we to do? David Cameron says if you don't like being ripped off by your current energy supplier, change to a different one and get ripped off by them instead. Well, a change is as good as a rest. There was also talk of jumpers. Ed Davey was asked if he wears a jumper. He said yes. Everyone went nuts, thinking, oh, the Tories are telling the poor to wear jumpers. To find out more, I'm joined by a Conservative spokesman. Hello. Ah, hello, Steve. So, is it government policy to tell the poor to wear a jumper when they're cold? Oh, no, Steve. The Tory party is a party of aspirational living. So? Well, we say, don't dress for the temperature you have, dress for the temperature you want. But this is serious. Some people won't be able to afford their fuel bills during winter. Look, we know that it is a serious issue, and we have been working on policies to make sure that people don't have to turn off their heating when it's cold. Okay, what should they do? They should turn off their lights when it's cold. What? People use energy, heating and lighting their homes. And we don't want anyone to freeze to death. 
But also, no one has ever been badly lit to death, Steve, so this is a perfect solution. Will turning off the lights save you that much energy? There are simple things you can do around the house to improve the energy saving from going dark, as we call it. Such as? Well, I've replaced all of the energy saving bulbs in my house with good old-fashioned 100 watt bulbs. So now, instead of saving a mere 20 watts by not turning on a light, I'm saving five times that. Um, okay. So what well, you've done it then? Oh, yes. Is it okay living without lights? Well, you develop coping strategies. And what's your coping strategy? Simple. I turn off all the lights in my house, leave it, and spend the winter in my villa in Spain. The trouble is, we need new ways to get power. Gas is imported, the coal mines are all closed, oil is running out. That one is the real worry. Crude oil is what we use to make Vaseline from. And when it's gone, it's gone. That is a future I do not want to live in. Uh, Mr Jenkins, as, as part of your health checkup, we have to check the old prostate. Now, I'd like to say this won't hurt a bit, but it will. An awful lot. Oh, why does it have to hurt? Blame David Cameron for cutting green taxes. But why does that mean you have to leave your rings on? Thankfully, some people are trying their best to sort this crisis and save the planet. Like the Welsh government, who spent £48,000 on a wind turbine that's been generating £5 of electricity every month. At that rate, it'll pay for itself in just 452 years. They're making the planet a better place for our children. Well, maybe not children. Maybe great-great-great-great-grandchildren. The trouble is, they installed the wind turbine in a sheltered valley. To find out more, I'm joined by a spokesperson for the government building contractors. Hello. Hello, Steve. So, did you put the wind turbine in the wrong place? Not at all, Steve. We put it in a nice secluded valley. Aren't you meant to put it on the top of a hill or something? What? And let everyone see it? No, it'd ruin the beautiful scenery. So we put it in a valley where no one can see it. Well, no one can see it at all. Well, you can see it at night, Steve, because we had it floodlit. Doesn't that use a lot of electricity? Oh, it does. Our bills have gone through the roof. Well, it's not very green, is it? No, it's okay, Steve. The electricity we use for the lights comes from our solar panels. And have you installed those on the roof? Good God, no, Steve. They'd look terrible there. We put them in a spare room we had. Oh, yeah. And what did that room used to be used for? It was an old photographic developing room. Yep, that makes sense. The somenews.co.uk podcast. So you know how this year the standard of living dropped for a lot of people? And you know how this year Monty Python said they were getting back together? Well, just think about that for a second. If things for comedians are now so tough, even Monty Python have to take extra work... What do you think it's like for me? This year, I took a gig because there was a free meal before the show. I actually worked for food. That's not a great feeling. I'm not saying I'm poor, but it's like an old northern joke, isn't it? I'm not saying I'm poor, but I wear a tracksuit and I've got lots of kids. That makes more sense than it really should. But anyway, the take-home message from this is that Monty Python were getting back together. I'm very happy to hear that Monty Python are making a comeback. Love it. I remember watching their stuff repeated on BBC Two when I was a kid. I did not understand a word of it, but I found it funny. Like when you walk into a tourist in London. I was listening to a radio show recently talking about it, about the comeback, and one BBC radio show had the great idea of taking the parrot sketch to a school in North London to see if the kids liked it. Because these days, absolutely everything has to be liked by kids, or it doesn't count. Thanks, BBC. 
So they played the sketch and asked them what they thought about it. My favourite one was this. I didn't find that clip funny at all because it doesn't take a situation that's happening today and it doesn't ridicule it. He doesn't like it because it's not to do with things that would happen these days. What do kids think happened in the past? Because, like, in the old days, people would buy their parrots in a shop every day. These days, you do one main weekly parrot shop in the big Tesco's, yeah? Or you do that online. He's right. These days, you would buy your parrot online, which means the parrot sketch would be nothing more than an eBay feedback form. V poor service. I ordered the Norwegian blue parrot in good faith, but when it arrived, it was dead, bleeding demised. I emailed the vendor and was told that it was resting. After several attempts to wake it with a nice piece of cuttlefish, I could only conclude that the parrot was no more. It had joined the choir, CH Choir Invisible. It is an ex-parrot. I would not recommend buying from user Lumberjackman21. Send. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. We had some serious and horrible news to deal with this year. The attack in Woolwich happened. I was performing the Some News live show at the Brighton Comedy Festival at the time, and I was sure there would be no part of this story that could make it into the show. But there's always someone willing to do something utterly stupid that you can mock. After the attacks, there was a night of the English Defence League riots. The next day on Twitter, people were telling EDF to stop it. People thought EDL was spelt EDF. Well, I suppose it can be confusing. Did you hear that the uh, EDF went on a riot? No, that, that was the EDL. Aren't they the ones who sang You're Unbelievable in the 90s? No, that's EMF. Making babies with test tubes? That's IVF. No, I doubt the International Monetary Fund has got time to go on riots. That's the IMF. Chipboard? MDF. Monosodium glutamate? I never touch the stuff. Oh, you're an idiot. All right, all right. That's a little OFT. What? Over the top. No, of course. And also this year, the sad news of the passing of Nelson Mandela. Once again, there was someone willing to do something stupid enough to make it in the show. This time, it was the sign language interpreter that was on stage at the memorial. The signer, who's been declared a fake, even brushed shoulders with President Obama. Ah, the sign language interpreter was just making it up. To quote a headline from the Sky News website, Government admits mistake over Mandela signer. And it was a mistake. It was a typo. They wanted a Mandela singer. It's the same typo that nearly ruined that Hollywood film. This fall, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler in The Wedding Signer. The film was actually alright, but I bought the soundtrack on CD... Twas a letdown. It's easy to say it now, but when I was watching the memorial, I was thinking, that sign language guy looks like he's making it up. Did he Did he join the wrong queue, end up on stage and think, well, I'd better front it out? That's not a sign language. It looks more like he's voguing. South African Parliament member Wilma Newhout, a member of the ruling party, said, the man communicated nothing with his hand and arm movements communicated nothing whoa whoa wiki whoa whoa in terms of sign language he may have communicated nothing but in terms of interpretive dance hello and welcome to the culture show tonight we look at the work of the mandela memorial singer i found it to be an emotional piece that spoke of loss and confusion felt around the globe that's interesting. For me, it looked like 
he was trying to swat a fly. As much as we mock, it is a serious issue. There would have been deaf people watching this, not understanding a word of what was going on and feeling confused. It's like when I change channels while half asleep and put BBC Alba on and then think I've had a stroke. In his defence, he said that he was suffering from a psychotic episode. He said he was hallucinating and hearing voices. As if he hadn't pissed off the deaf community enough, he goes on bragging about hearing voices. Honestly, this guy. He was quoted by South Africa's Star newspaper as saying, There was nothing I could do. I was alone in a very dangerous situation. How dangerous can it be doing sign language on telly? Turns out it's one of the most dangerous jobs in TV, especially for the in-vision signers on David Attenborough's shows. And thanks to new footage from our programme, we have found that most of the lion's diet consists of members of the BBC signing unit. The somenews.co.uk podcast. So, that's it. We're pretty much at the end of the review of 2013. But, like any news programme, we have a quick sports roundup at the end. Here's some of the highlights of the 2013 world of sport. Brighton had to formally apologise to Crystal Palace following what was called an unsavoury incident, where someone pinched off a turd in the away dressing room ahead of the championship playoff semi-final at the Amex Stadium. By the sound of it, it should be Andrex Stadium. It said in the newspaper, excrement was found ahead of the second leg. Now, either I don't know anything about football, or that's an odd way to describe a bottom. Um, Ian Holloway, Palace manager, said... In the meantime, that I don't hold that against people. I believe things like that come back on you. Splashback? Ooh. So maybe, maybe if you want to give credit to whoever that was, he got Crystal Palace to play like that, whoever it was. It might not be a he, you never know. Well, <laughs> of course it's a bloke. Don't get me wrong. I hate it when the media often assumes that all criminals are men. Come on, we're talking about someone who is that passionate about football and can go to the toilet without a friend coming along for a chit-chat. I wanted to talk in this podcast about Pistorius, but it's a tricky one to try and cover. But I do want to talk about the bail hearing. It, I tuned in to watch it, live, thinking it was going to be five minutes long. Magistrate Desmond Nair began announcing his decision at about 2.30pm. Didn't finish for nearly two hours. Two hours, that's the length of a film. In fact, it would have been better if he presented the info in that way. Coming this fall, Meg Ryan is Reva Steenkamp. Tom Hanks is Oscar Pistorius in You've Got Bail. At the end of the two hours, we finally got this. And bear in mind, I have not edited this at all. None of the factors that need to be established have been established. I come to the conclusion that... The accused has made a case to be released on bail. Yes! <laughs> he left some massive gaps in there. He wanted it to go like this. I come to the conclusion that... The accused has made a case to be released on bail. Oscar Pistorius had his conditions of his bail changed so that he can travel to other countries. He's been allowed to travel abroad to compete in races. When he next takes part in a race, the whole world will be watching. And you join us for the men's 100 metres. And they're off. Pistorius in lane one, off to a strong start. He leads the pack. The Brazilian in lane two, a losing ground. And there's just no catching him as he crosses the finish line. And he doesn't stop. He's still running. And now he's being chased by the officials. And the police have joined in the chase, along with the fans of his late girlfriend and people 
people who thought he shouldn't have been given bail in the first place. And, and what's that noise coming from the stadium? <laughs> Uh, Lance Armstrong managed to get himself banned from another sport before he even competed in it, and that is quite a skill. He'd planned to return to athletic competition this week at a Masters swim event. Swimming. But he's a cheat, so he'd probably still use the bike. He was going to compete in this swimming event. But after learning of Armstrong's entry, the International Swimming Federation put a stop to his plans. Lance said, All of a sudden, I'm not welcome. I don't get it. Why would they have a problem with the world's most famous drugs cheat swimming in their sport? Oh, I don't know. We got a problem. Can we really let Lance Armstrong swim in our race? Why not? The guy's on so many drugs. If he pees in the pool, the other swimmers will get high. The Tour de France cyclist Mark Cavendish getting urine thrown at him. Mark was doing a time trial when a member of the crowd sprayed him with some tittle. I imagine the tittle was in a bottle or a cup or something. You'd have to have some good muscle control to be able to hold it till just the right moment when a cyclist goes by. I would be no good at that. Here he is, the cyclist I don't like. I'm going to wee on him and... Oh... Oh, it's no good. I can't go with all these people watching. Someone turn on a tap. Apparently, it was all because of the crash the day before that Cavendish got the blame for. People were unhappy that he caused it, and apparently that earns you a golden rebuke. I didn't realise that was the deal. That's because normally I turn off the TV before I hear the end of those adverts. Have you been involved in an accident and it wasn't your fault? Call us today and we'll pee on the party whose fault it was. We work on a strictly no-win-no-we basis. We've helped thousands of victims already. I tripped on some bloke's foot, and Weir's for you took a slash on the bloke's shoe. So, you know, that's better. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. That's it, the end of the Some News Review of 2013. If you have listened to it this far, then I want to say a big thank you. It's been a mammoth podcast. I've been doing these podcasts now for nearly three years, and if they weren't getting listened to... I know what I'm like, I'd have stopped ages ago, so act proper thank yous if you've listened to them. I try not to make these podcasts too much about me. It's meant to be about the news, isn't it? But as this is a, a goodbye to 2013, I'll be honest and I'll say it's a good riddance to 2013. It's been a shit stain of a year in many ways. So here's to 2014. How could it be any worse than this year? Cut to a sketch of me doing the review of the 2014 podcast whilst buried alive or something. So let's wrap it up with the plugs. If you are feeling brave, go to the podcast section on somenews.co.uk. Find episode 43. It's a look back at 2012. It's just interesting to hear it after you've heard this. But it is. It's quite a long one as well. Uh, as ever, tell a friend about the show. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn and somenews.co.uk, obviously. And if you've made it this far... Tweet me and tell me at Mr. Stephen Allen. Have a good 2014. Till next time, bye bye bye. The Some News Podcast. Get more at somenews.co.uk.